0: Welcome back to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. Today is episode four and we have an exciting podcast for you today. Today we are talking about paper and writing. So the history that we're going to discuss today is all about where did paper come from. So before there was paper, like in the modern sense, the Egyptians used the papyrus plant. Papyrus grows along the Nile River and they would cut thin strips, press it together and then dry it and form a smooth writing surface. By 1000 BC other similar civilizations had adopted the same form of writing on papyrus. This was an early form of of writing and not exactly considered paper but from the Egyptians other nations begin to adopt papyrus they actually would buy it from the Egyptians and that was the Greek society and also the Roman Empire civilization so the first form of writing like we know it was done by the Egyptians in early history now paper in a more modern sense of the word, comes from China. And it was made from plant fibers and old rags. So that happened during the Eastern Han period, which was between 25 and 220 CE. And CE stands for Common Era. So I hope that you will do further research about paper and how paper in the more, um, the sense and the way that we use it today, I hope that you will research and find out more about paper and how it has evolved over many centuries. Thank you and I hope you enjoy today's show. It's now time for the words of the episode.
1: Wata Maji Yandavio means follow the water in Swahili. Oftentimes we look to make things and people fit into what we think they should be. You cannot bottle the ocean. Our children and others in our lives are deeply complex and are just as difficult to bottle. Go with the flow and follow the water. Provide course correction as needed, but allow things to happen naturally. Patience and kindness and compassion Will help guide you.
2: This is cleverly cultured kids.
0: <laughs> In this segment, we talk to kids about different topics.
1: Okay, so we have a mirror, and we are going to be discussing the difference between paperwork, or workbooks, worksheets, and digital work. Doing. Games on the computer or assignments on the computer? Yeah. What's, which do you prefer? Do you prefer to do computer work or
2: paperwork? Computer work. Why? I don't know. I just like computer work better.
1: Have you noticed whether or not one Gives you better memory of what you have covered? Do you remember more readily something that you did on paper? Or would you say you remember better something that you learned, read, or did on the computer?
2: Well, I like doing stuff with the computer better, but if I feel like when I write it on paper, I can go back. Like, for a test, I can go back and look at that paper. But if it's on the computer, then you can't do that. That is true.
1: But do you remember things better (laughs) from paper or a computer? So if I were to give you a short story to read on the computer and then give you a different short story to read in a book... Which one do you think you would better be able to
2: recall what happened? Um maybe the paper, because the paper is what I did last.
1: <laughs> Listen to her with the riddle action. It's not a riddle. Okay. So what is so what is so disagreeable about working with pen and paper, pencil and paper?
2: Well, when I I don't really like the sound of pen, like or pencil against paper, because it just sounds really weird, and I don't I, I don't like it. And the same thing for chalkboard. If someone's like rubbing their nail up against the chalkboard, that is so annoying. Who does that?
1: Right. <laughs> I'm no, I'm asking you who does that. That's not something you have to worry about at home.
2: It's happened to me in school before.
1: Okay, but we're talking. Girl, get current. We talking about what's happening now. Okay. So what about dry erase? Is that acceptable or does the marker make too much noises for you to?
2: Dry erase is better. Cause it doesn't like the noise it doesn't happen as often.
1: Okay. So the most disagreeable part about doing activities in a workbook. Or on paper is the sound of your pencil or pen on the page. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So what about when you're drawing? Because you like to draw. That isn't an irritating sound. Did I catch you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she's been caught. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, can I tell you a secret? Yeah. I prefer paper. I don't know if it's because I'm of that generation or if it's because it just resonates with me, but I do know for certain, wait, without a doubt, that if I were to read something On the computer or my phone or tablet, I'm less likely to be able to recall specifics than if I were to read it in a book, in a newspaper, a magazine, and something like that. The, something about the computer, the, it doesn't, I have to read things quite a few times, the same information on a screen, to get the same sort of recall that I do from a physical piece of paper. What do you think about that?
2: I don't know, but when I know that like, if I'm writing something, reading something on the computer, I can use the mouse to follow along. You find that helpful? Sometimes.
1: What kinds of activities would you prefer to do on the computer?
2: I like math, like not really math games, but I like different kinds of games that are like educational. I don't know why, but it's fun. I just, I don't really like to do normal um, like math stuff. It's just not interesting to me. Okay, well, what about science or
1: social studies or
2: other subjects? Well, social studies, yeah. That's kind of fun, but, like... Like, I like the other stuff on games and stuff, but not, um, like, math games. Because sometimes, like, some math games are just... Okay, some math games are really fun. Like teaching textbooks. I don't really like that. It makes these really weird sounds and it I don't like it. It it's just weird to me.
1: Yeah, I was a little sad teaching textbooks didn't work out for you. Um Well, what, are there any things that you like to do or would prefer to do on paper?
2: i like drawing on paper i mean that's fun it's drawing so out of all the subjects only art is allowed to be done on paper everything else should be digitized i think so yeah all right you heard it here folks
1: (laughs) digital for this girl here
0: Welcome to the cleverly changing podcast, where we talk about culture, life, and just things that interest interest us from a homeschool perspective. Today we are answering a few questions from our listeners, and we're excited to get started with this conversation. We have um, we are two moms. I am Elle, and I'm Miriam. And we are looking forward to talking to you about education um, and just different topics that relate to homeschooling and educating our children. So, Miriam, what is the first topic that you want to touch on today?
1: What I found really interesting was the reading, but not... the. I should say it this way, proficient in reading, but not so proficient in spelling.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, It's funny because when we were talking about the topics and, you know, we shared that, my husband chimed in and he said, what, how is that even possible? Um, But it is, and it's not unheard of. It's actually very common where a child can read pretty well, but isn't so great at spelling because those are two skills that don't necessarily work hand in hand, which can be kind of shocking to some of you. I think that they work
1: together better if the written component is Is properly placed. I'm not really sure what properly placed is, but I think that the three are definitely related and if one of those is not being focused on enough, then one of the others is going to suffer a little, I think. Mm -hmm. I also think it depends on how the child learn how to
0: read. Right. So I would have to agree with that. I think it really depends on how your child is learning how to read. So if your child reads basically just by memorization and memorizing tons and tons of words, then spelling may be a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. If your child is reading based on phonetics, it's possible that it could be a little bit easier. However, we all have to agree or disagree, but we all have to kind of take into effect that the English language isn't all about phonetics because there are so many exceptions to different English rules that just learning how to read phonetically isn't going to make a person a proficient speller because the English language kind of does its own things at times. So it's important to be able to, to learn based on to practice spelling. So I think you can definitely learn how to spell in a variety of ways like memorization and phonetics. But I think the whole key to getting your child to spell well is by practicing. And when you have your child practice, it's also important to practice with words that are similar. So when you look at the um, the spelling list that you give your child, when you pick out words that follow those same rules for him or her to spell, let's say caught, fought, bought, all of those are unique words that are not necessarily spelled phonetically because for caught, it's c o u. Um,
1: C-O-U-G-H.
0: H-A-U-G-H. Oh, you're saying
1: caught. C-A-U-G-H-T. C-A-U-G-H-T. Gotcha. I thought you said cough. C-O-U-G-H. Because in my mind, I'm thinking the right.
0: U-G-H. So is cough, the- All of those words, you know, they have the G-H, and we don't really hear those sounds in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the English language is, is doing those differently. Right. Um, fault is F-O-U-G-H-T. So... Um, It's something that you have to practice. And when you practice words that are similar together, you have a better chance of getting the child to memorize those.
1: True. I mean, so I'm thinking when they're learning to read, if they are just picking up words very easily and anything they see, they're like pulling it out and they can say it. And you thinking, okay. So they know how to read this. They know these words. They've got some of these um, quirky words, I'll say. They've got those under their belt, so we don't have to worry about it. But in reality, some children have only memorized the visual of that word and haven't actually understood or practiced or gone over The, what do they call those again? Are those called phonographs, digraphs, those things? They haven't actually gone through and said EA is E, or um, like you said, the O U G H or I N G. When they go over these specific letter segments, whatever you call those, something graphs. (laughs) Whenever they come into interaction with one of those, then they know that this is most likely the way this word is gonna be pronounced and then they can sound out whatever combinations of what letters are before and after that particular letter grouping.
0: Yes, those are called phonographs phonographs okay yes couldn't remember <laughs> but oh no the phonograph is <laughs> no it's not a photograph it's not a photograph so <laughs> a phonograph is that recording device <laughs> oh that looks mm. kinda like a flower on top. <laughs> yes that old school stereo radio record player gotcha yeah, it's a recording device
1: <laughs> yeah okay so see now you're gonna make me google this to find out what is it called?
0: That's too funny.
1: I don't know. I know I've seen the word digraph before. Yeah. I think, but die is two. Doesn't that mean that's just a two letter blend? Or does that go for more than two? I don't know. We can carry on with what we're saying though. The Yes. The action of reviewing that these particular groups make this particular sound so a it's di- different from them actually just coming across the word and having memorized it. And so they just say caught because they know that's what it says, but they haven't actually broken down the word into its various parts. I think that makes a slight difference too.
0: Yes. The definition of a digraph is a combination of two letters that make up one sound. An example of a digraph is a combination of C and H in the word China, that makes the ch sound. So, so yeah, so I think that's a good, um, a good example. Um, when you're practicing words with your young children to practice digraphs as well could be helpful But I think a lot of times it's just um, repetition deepens the impression. Indeed. So your child to practice um, throughout the day. So um, as a homeschool parent, if you know what those words that you're teaching are, use them throughout the day. Find opportunities to incorporate them in your everyday life. And if you are, if you have a child that goes to a traditional school, you can take their spelling list and, you know, while you're in the car, driving them to different lessons and activities, have them practice the word verbally to you. And that's a great way to have your child learn different um, spelling techniques, because just like with math, spelling is about patterns. And so Mm -hmm. if you are good at the patterns, you'll be better at spelling.
1: So many things in life are about the patterns. Right. So many things.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay, so what's our next question? Yes, so our next question comes from um, another listener who was asking when you homeschool your kids and you also need to work full time, what are some ways that you can? Teach your kid if they don't want to only do online learning. How can you teach a kid in your um, in with limited time? So I want to go ahead and I'll start with the um, with my opinion on how you can do that. I think that it's very helpful to realize. Early on in your homeschool experience, that homeschool is not a carbon copy of traditional schools. Right. And so if you get out of your mind the notion of school being an eight to three type of activity, mm-hmm. you realize that you can homeschool in the evening, you can homeschool on the weekends. Mm-hmm. If- about teaching your kids when you do have that time. Now, my only thing about that is what will your child do while you are at work? If you have um, a household where there is somebody at the home in the day, your kid can, you can definitely give your kid work and um, some things can be done on their own. You can give them books to read. You can give them projects to work on. And when you 're able to be face to face with them, you can do other things that you may need to actually teach them, actually explain, answer questions and whatnot so it 's really trying to be flexible in the way that you approach schooling if you have If you live in an area where there are co ops um, co ops you usually have to be present right um, the whole time, so you may look for like a tutorial or just another type of um, facility that is a drop-off program. Mm -hmm. Many of those, because there is such a large community of homeschoolers, then it's advantageous to ask around, to Google different um, options in your area and really just try to sign up and see if you can shadow those places. And that way you can find out if there is a program in the daytime that works for your schedule. Would you add anything to that? Girl, I'm over here consigning
1: everything you just said. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Only thing I would add, which you already you know, touched on, would be um, the evening when you get home from work. Granted, you probably wanna just take a moment and relax, but that's a time that you have. It doesn't have to be well into the night, you know, you could take an hour or two to discuss your plans for the next day and to go over what was happening during that day. Um, I don't know how comfortable you are with the multitasking, but another idea would be to not really give up your lunch break, but to call home to your children during your lunch break and any questions that they want to ask or any, um, assignments or something you want to give to them or share with them, that's. Another time that you would be able to do that, um, you could also check with your employer. Maybe you could get one day off a week, or you could um, telework. Work, yeah, telework or something. Um, you know, depending on your occupation, you know, it may be flexible enough that you can kind of shave your schedule in a way where you have a little bit more weekday time if that's what you're really looking for um the weekends saturday and sunday who said learning had to be boring it right. certainly doesn't there's plenty of things that are fun and engaging that you can do that most americans consider weekend activity right so those are would be the only add-ons that I have, but it's certainly possible. Um, I remember you were telling me about one of your friends whose husband teaches the children at five six o'clock in the morning before he goes to work. They spend an hour right so it's definitely possible for you to just you know create your own schedule right right that's create it make it what you want it to be, how you want it to be. And it'll work just fine. Of course, other people will probably look at you and be like, only Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, what? Well, that's okay. They're not paying your bills or looking after your children or anything for you. So you can feel free and comfortable and confident in ignoring them.
0: Right and remember you can hire tutors. Yeah. So homeschooling is not a new idea. It's something that we are coming back to, but back in the day people were hiring tutors to teach their children. That was pretty much the norm. Yeah, so the governess. You the the greatest rule I have in homeschooling is remember to be flexible. So the word flexible to me is at the foundation of homeschooling. So you have to think outside the box, think of what works within your schedule, what works within your timeframe and act accordingly. So you come up with a way to make it work for you. The only thing about that, and I, I feel like there are um, there may be caveats is when the child is a very social person and they want to You know, they miss their friends. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to find a way to incorporate extracurricular activities to get them into a space where they're with other people. A lot of different museums offer um, classes, and there are just a lot of different resources that you may have to seek out, um, but they are out there. And so, there are some people who have created their own co-ops that work for them, so you kind of have to um, just try different things and see if they work for you. And if something doesn't work, be willing to, you know, stop that and start something new. But schooling is not a stagnant thing. It's not a thing that's, you know, in a box. It can it can look different depending on what's needed. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so be flexible with that and, and go with it. And so I think if you have a desire to homeschool your children with technology and depending on your resources, depending on how flexible you can be, it can, it can work for you. So just be willing to, to be flexible.
1: And I just had another idea or two. You could also Skype your children Mm -hmm. Um, I guess if you have younger children, this isn't necessarily something that you would really be able to do because you're not allowed to leave five, six, eight-year-olds at home by themselves. (laughs) No. So (laughs) that doesn't necessarily work for those with younger children. But the other idea that just struck me was if you locate or find another family that Um, you're comfortable with, that you know you can I guess um, not piggyback, but you all could work together and they may be able to help you out during your work hours and in return you can do whatever it is that the trade-off that y'all agree upon. And, you know, that's There's plenty of options. Um, Facebook groups. um, What are those things called? List serves, Yahoo groups, that kind of thing. Join a few. Ask questions. um, Be willing to interact. And you'd be surprised at what you are able to come up with. Because even if you want to homeschool and you're not currently homeschooling. These are some of the ways that, you know, it may be able to be a realistic possibility for you.
0: Right. I also want people to, to remember that there are online resources where people can Skype into your house. Last week on um, our episode three podcast, we shared in the show notes several online resources that were some of our favorites and one of those resources was out school out school has online classes that you pay for and your kids um, do either skype or zoom they do video video chats with other students and their teacher so that is an option so we live in an age where there are so many resources at our disposal you just have to find out what they are
1: yeah, it may take a little time, but you can find something.
0: Yes. So I'm trying to think if we had another another question.
1: There was. It was about, um, oh man, I was just thinking about it. It was about, oh, the disconnect between computer and paper. Yes. That's what it was. You know how I am. I, I will have my phone or computer right in front of me and I will be turning around every which way looking for a pen and paper. I mean, there's something about... I even still write down directions to a place that I don't know where I'm going. Yes, I do use the GPS on the phone sometimes, but a lot of times I find it more helpful... To have it written, because when you have to go push buttons to get to the overview or whatever, eh, I don't have time for all of that. I'm driving. Can I not run into the person in front of me for trying to figure out where I'm going? So I'm, I'm thinking that when the children interface with the computer, it's a it takes. A completely different set of brain, muscle, and brain activity than, you know, putting a pen to paper. You know, mistakes are different, especially with the autocorrect. There's that could be going back to the question about spelling, that I'm sure is probably a major roadblock in the teaching and learning of spelling. This autocorrect thing where it just automatically chooses a word and corrects your spelling and things like that. It's a completely different mode of communication.
0: Yes. So in, in my experience, when my girls were in first and second grade, technically, um, they were in that age group. I used to do math um, through 10 marks, which is an online math company that is funded by Amazon. And they would answer questions. Sometimes they would be um, open-ended questions. Sometimes they would be multiple choice. But they were math questions and my kids could answer them. They could do their work pretty quickly online. And then I gave them a workbook and I asked them to answer some of the same questions that they had been answering online because I kind of wanted to give them a mini quiz to see what they were doing, what I needed to help them with and whatnot. And I realized that it took them much longer to complete the work. And they just weren't as proficient. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I first recognized that they must be using a different part of their brain to answer questions on the computer than they are using to answer questions on paper. So I, because I recognize that, I now do. Um, I allow them to do both, but I do more paper because I felt like that skill helped them to retain the information better. And so much so where I felt like they could teach their sibling if they needed to, if they were doing it on paper. And so if you are a parent and all your kids' lessons are online, I would encourage you to switch it up some, just to make sure that they are as proficient as they need to be, because it is possible that they could be using a different part of their brain to answer those questions.
1: Yeah, between the using, the use of a different part of the brain and the actual retention of the information, it seems to go into a different folder. Yes. Then, and and it almost seems like it's a inaccessible folder. They can't access that information at will, or it's very difficult to get into those envelopes to see what's inside. Because I noticed the same thing, when it, especially when it comes to math, when Amira's doing uh, practicing um, division and, and timetables and things like that. I let her play games that have the intention of reinforcing. And then if I say, now, can you write this out? Then there would be a problem or it would take a lot longer, like you mentioned. Um, I also noticed with writing, how it's different. If she's writing it down on paper, she's more detailed, but if she's typing it on the computer, it seems very short and very um, monotone almost. I think there's something about thinking it and having to move your arm and wrist to form these letters, linking the words together, the letters into the words and the words into the sentences and the sentences into the paragraphs. There's something that's, there's something different working with with the memory, with the, just the whole act itself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I I agree with you is you definitely need to do both and yes I'm saying you need to do both (laughs) yes because and then let's be for real computers tend to let us down sometimes they do and you need to have you know some old school methods (laughs) To take care of business. Sure, you could use a calculator. Sure, you could type it on your phone. But if you don't have access to that for whatever reason or another, you know there's another way to do it. I mean, folk were chiseling in stone back in the day to get their message across.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm sure that was probably some real permanent information. <laughs> right, and one thing that you have to also um, take into account is your child's learning style. Because oh. if your child has a learning style that um, is kinesthetic, that means that they're a tactile learner, they're hands-on. Mm-hmm. Writing is going to be another way that emphasizes that point. So they're, they're doing something tactile, And it's helping to deepen that impression. So you want to take into account your child's learning style and you want to be able to give them all the different avenues that's going to really put that information deep into their long-term memory. And so as many senses as you can use, utilize them so that your child will be able to retain that information better.
1: You just made me think. So when you were talking about the kinesthetic learner so I see how that connects I can see how it connects for a visual learner but I'm thinking does the sound of the hand moving across the paper the pen or pencil scratching into the paper does that sound do anything for auditory learner I'm curious I don't
0: think so I think there are some kids who may mumble what they're writing um, Mm. and that may help but I don't think that, I think, you know, our pencils and our pens and the things that we use now are so silent that unless you're writing really hard, you're not getting the history um, aspect of it. Some people may. Um, it depends on how sensitive they are. But I think for the vast majority, um, it may be helpful. So there was a point in college where um, I decided to record some of my my notes so I would write them out and I would say them um, to a recorder so that I would, and then I would play them back while I was doing other things. Girl, you were diligent. <laughs> my auditory part of my brain. Cause I had to kind of find a way I was taking 23 credit hours at one time. And I was like, Oh my God, what? I was a bit overwhelmed, but I said, yeah. if, I, if I utilize my time a little wiser, I will be able to get that information better. And so by, by writing my notes, um, so I would write them in class. And then when I got to my room, I would say them into a recorder. And then while I was doing other things like washing clothes and other things, I would play them back. And that really helped me. So when I was taking more credit hours, I actually did better in college because my mind had just, I had just used so many more senses than I had used before. Wow. 23, girl. <laughs>
1: Hats off to you. Whew. That's a lot. I don't know what kind of what classes were those. We can talk about that later.
0: <laughs> Girl, that's a lot. A yeah, lot. I will say that they were classes that I was interested in because mm. if you're taking a whole lot of classes that you don't like, you're not going to do well. But yeah, if you're classes that that um, uniquely interest you. You're You you tend to listen and um, just have more, a better relationship with the knowledge that you're receiving, that helps you retain it more. So I will say I was really interested in the classes that I took and they were related to my actual majors. So they weren't like fluff classes that I wasn't even interested in. They were classes that I, w- I had a genuine interest in. So I did better because um, that information was something that I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at you. I think that's all the questions. um, Questions today. And it's awesome. If any of you would like to submit questions, feel free to send us an email at cleverlychanging at gmail.com. That's C L E V E R L Y C H A N G I N G at gmail.com. And we will answer your question in one of our future podcasts. And definitely, please tell your friends about our podcast. Our podcast goes live bi-weekly. So we do two podcasts a month. And as we continue to do podcasts, we may do a special edition, but we... We really want to be doing and talking about topics that interest you. So if there are suggestions that you have for topics you want us to talk about, it doesn't even have to be homeschool topics. We both went to school. So we are not only interested in information as it relates to the homeschooler. We will answer your questions to the best of our knowledge. And so, yeah, definitely, if you've been enjoying our podcast, share it with a friend and other people who may be interested.
1: And please take a moment to
0: rate us on iTunes. Yes. We like to read reviews. And if you're listening via SoundCloud, please follow the podcast. And we are on Stitcher as well. And also Google Play. So you can find us iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, just in a lot of places that podcasts are played. So definitely look us up, share us, And submit any topics and suggestions as they come to mind. So, we look forward to talking to you soon. So, be sure to tune in to our next podcast. And thanks for listening.